Hey there, everybody. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. Let's just begin to dig deep. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse 8 today for our promise this week. And we're going we're gonna to take this thing into a place that maybe uh, we didn't initially uh, think that we were going to go with this, but I believe the Lord's got a word for us today. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move in our hearts and in our lives. Um, we have prayed over this. We have, we have studied. We have, we have dug into this ourselves. And today we just really want to talk about not just this promise, but we want to talk about the focal point of this promise, and that is Jesus Christ. We want to focus on Christ today. We, wanna, we want to discuss who he really is, not who some people think that he is or, or a, a certain version of who he is in a current culture, but we want to talk about who Jesus Christ really is. And so Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number eight. Now listen, we live in a age of constant change, like Things are changing like faster than we can keep up with it. Technology develops so quickly that even by the time I finish speaking today, what was new yesterday will be outdated today. And it's not just technology, but politics, global economics, uh, international boundaries, and on and on and on. Things that we grew up with as kids may have just completely shifted and changed, and it's almost like we live in a different world today. Things are just shifting and changing and things that people used to believe they don't believe anymore or it's become a little hazy. And in the midst of all this change, people have been swept into this seismic shift. It's, it's a seismic shift of values and morals, even their faith. The Holy Spirit warned us in advance through the Word of God that this would occur. And we hear the terminology deconstructing faith a lot these days. I'm deconstructing my faith. I'm deconstructing my faith. It's people abandoning even the simplest biblical foundational truths, either because of what's been said by the world or because of the discomfort of the biblical truth, maybe wanting to be more comfortable, feel more comfortable, maybe just to not think about those things. But whatever the reason, we are living in a culture where there's been this seismic shift away from faith in the mainstream. And I say that in the mainstream because the remnant, the believers, we're all in for Jesus. Hopefully we're all in for Jesus. But in the culture as a whole, you know, people may go to church, but active faith seems to be diminishing. And in the midst of all of this, there is one thing that remains unchanged, and that is Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. And there's a lot in Hebrews. There's a lot in this chapter. There's a lot around this verse. And we're not going to just take this verse and pull it out of context, but we also don't have the time to take this massive uh, dive into Hebrews. But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, very simply, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, realizing in this context, 
the writer of Hebrews is telling them, listen, here's morality, here's values, here's biblical truths. He's laying it all out for him. He's saying, listen, remember those who, who lead, who are discipling you, who are teaching you. Remember those, respect them, the word of God that's been spoken over you. Consider them, watch the fruit of their lives. And then he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then the following verse says, do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. So here's what he's saying. The godly leaders that God's put around you, don't worship them, don't elevate them, don't, don't, don't put your focus on them. It's Jesus Christ who is the same because people change and, and situations change. And he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also, listen, don't be given to other doctrines. Don't be given to other evil doctrines. Listen, there are things that are happening in our culture right now. They're not just bad. They're evil. They're demonic. There are things happening in the world of entertainment that are not just bad. They are demonic. You heard me. Demonic. Evil. And from that, we as believers need to flee. We don't need to run into it. We don't need to run to it. We don't need to be entertained by it. We need to flee evil. We need to draw near to God, and we need to flee evil. And the writer of Hebrews is laying out all of this and bringing the, bringing the crux of everything back to Jesus. The Greek word for same here emphatically states that Jesus Christ is unchangeable. Come on, put that in the chat right now. Unchangeable. Unchangeable. Jesus Christ is the one person we can depend on to be the same. Listen, I know that we like to say, man, that person, they're so consistent. But even in our humanity, as good as we try to be, we're still inconsistent. Because we're going to have bad days and we're going to have good days and circumstances are going to happen and things are going to go on around us that are going to offset us at times and we're going to have bad days and it may seem like we're inconsistent. It's not that we're inconsistent, it's that we're human. But Jesus is the one that we can depend on. We don't need to refigure who Jesus is. We don't need to try to reconfigure what he thinks. We don't need to kind of go, oh, what, what was his message? We don't need to, to refigure any of those. He is the same. Everything he represents, the same. Yesterday, today, forever. The words yesterday and today, when those are put together, are an Old Testament expression of continuity right? So continuity. Jesus isn't one way in the past and another way in the present. If you discover Jesus of the ancient path, you discover Jesus of the present. He hasn't changed. People have tried to change him. They have tried to reconfigure him. They have tried to make him a gentler, better Jesus, a more worldly Jesus. But Jesus was not worldly. Jesus was heaven sent. He was the son of God, the only begotten of the father sent from heaven to earth to live as a man, to be a suffering servant, to be a man of sorrows, to be a man who is acquainted with our griefs, to be one that would be tempted by all the things we're tempted by and yet not give in to the temptation, but respond to the temptation with, mm -mm, here's what the word says. Here's what my father has said. That same Jesus, he is the Jesus of of the past, the present, and the future. He is continuously the same. Yes, he was in heaven. Yes, he came to earth. He came as a babe in a manger. Yes, he grew up to be a man. Yes, a rabbi. Yes, 
He was crucified, yes. He was dead, yes. He was buried, yes. He resurrected, yes. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, having sent the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead, to live inside of us. But he changes not. His character changes not. Listen, Hebrews is a little too elaborate and too deep and too rich to get all the way into this today. But the context shows us how Jesus fulfilled everything, not only in the Old Testament pointing to the coming Messiah, but in his death and resurrection. Listen, he provided everything. All right, you ready for this? He fulfilled everything. But not only did he fulfill everything, he provided everything. He fulfilled all the prophecies And then he provided all the promises. Like he provided everything. And that provision is changeless. There were people among the Hebrew believers who were still adding Old Testament traditions to Jesus. Like they had come into a relationship with Jesus. They were believers. But yet they went back to those old ways and started adding things to Jesus, many times even replacing Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I fear lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then 2 Corinthians 11.4 says this, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Think about that. If anyone preaches another Jesus, you may put up with it. People want to tell us who Jesus is, and a lot of people today want to tell us what he doesn't do anymore. And basically, a lot of people are saying, no, 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 he's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not. Yeah, I understand what the Bible says, but he's not. But the Bible says that he changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Luke chapter 4 shows us the real Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's go there. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. In verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So Jesus is in the synagogue. He stands up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And here's what he says. He's reading from Isaiah's prophecies. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He is speaking that which was written by the prophet Isaiah, right? What was. But here's what Jesus says. We could say, hey, he's just saying what Isaiah wrote. What was. But a seismic shift is coming, verse 20. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And here's what he said to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Not just what was, what is. I am that I am. I am the Messiah. That's what he was saying. 
And it wasn't something that everybody would just go, oh, yes, you're the Messiah. No, 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 this is a big deal. He is in the synagogue, and he is declaring, I am the Messiah. I mean, this would have shaken everything to its core. You want to talk about a seismic shift. There was this seismic shift. It was a messianic scripture, a prophetic scripture. And he was saying, I am the Messiah, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Messiah. And if we look at Luke chapter four, we can look through and we can look at who is Jesus. Number one, salvation. You want to know the real Jesus? Salvation. He said to preach the gospel to the poor. Now listen, the Greek word here for poor is tokos, right? Tokos. But it's P-T-O-C-H-O-S. Tokos. What does that mean? It means to crouch. It means a beggar, to cower, to cringe. It means abject poverty. The other Greek word for poor is penis, where we get our word penance to toil for daily sustenance. That means you're working barely to get by, but you're working. But Jesus chooses to use tokos, the word for those that can't work, the injured, the maimed, the crippled. The only way they could survive is to beg, to crouch in darkness, to cringe, to hide in shame. And if someone doesn't have mercy on them, they will die. And guess what? This is us spiritually. Without mercy, we will die in our sins. But Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. We can't work for mercy. We can't work for mercy. We don't deserve mercy. We don't deserve grace. If Jesus doesn't have mercy on us, we will die. But thank God that Jesus paid the price that he died on the cross for the atonement of our sins, that mercy covered the earth, that grace shouted from a cross, that Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That he declared from that place, it is finished. Salvation. That's the real Jesus. And then he goes on in, in the Gospel of Luke, to talk about healing the brokenhearted and setting at liberty those who are oppressed. What is this? This is inner healing. Inner healing. Brokenhearted comes from two Greek words. Suntribo, which means to break into pieces or shatter. And the second is cardia, which means cardiac, the heart. What does that tell us? Jesus can heal your shattered heart completely. Suntribo, break into pieces, shatter. Second is cardia inner healing. Now listen, we could go a lot of different ways with this and we could we could talk about some things that are probably more theory than they are biblical truth, especially about when Jesus is on the cross and the different elements that are there, the spear and the crown of thorns and all those things, but we want to stick to the to the biblical truth. Jesus said I came to heal the brokenhearted, to put those pieces back together. And then he said that I've come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He's already said to preach the gospel of the poor, I'm offering salvation, but now he's saying to heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppressed, the King James Version uses the word bruised. Those who are bruised. Did you know that when you're bruised, a bruise can hold you back? If you have a thigh bruise, that can make you kind of limp and it holds you back. You can't run, you can't, there's, there's no freedom. 
And when we look at what a bruise is, a bruise is inward healing, right? It's, it's, I mean, inward bleeding. It's inner bleeding. Now, the discoloration can go away, but it can still be a tender spot. And if it's, if it's still a tender spot, guess what? It can start bleeding again. What does this mean for me, Scott? The enemy wants us to start bleeding again. Jesus wants to heal it and let it be done. What did he say? To set at liberty those who are oppressed, those who are bruised. That bruise is holding you back. That bruise is that inner bleeding, not inner healing, inner bleeding. And the discoloration may have gone away, but it's still tender. You may have forgiven that person, but it's still tender. You may have given up that bitter cup that you were drinking for so long, but it's still tender. And as long as it stays tender, guess what? It can start bleeding again. And the enemy wants it to start bleeding again. He doesn't want you to be healed. He doesn't want you to believe that you've been healed. He doesn't want, he wants that inner bleeding to start again. And Jesus comes and says, listen, inner bleeding has to stop. I want inner healing. Jesus wants to heal it and call it done. But you gotta let him. That's the real Jesus. Number three, freedom. He says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus came so you could be free. Is there anything still holding you captive? Jesus is a deliverer, not just a savior. He is a deliverer to set you free, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Number four, healing, not just an inner healing but it says recovery of sight to the blind. Now this is one that gets a little tricky for some people because you can literally quantify it because if you lay hands on somebody and you pray for their healing and they're not healed, you can say, well, they're not healed. And so now we're afraid to say that Jesus can heal because it might not happen. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, recovery of sight to the blind. Why do, why do we believe Jesus bore our sins on the cross? Well, the word of God says so. Well, the word also says that he bore our sicknesses. How do we receive salvation and forgiveness of sin? Grace through faith. Guess what? Jesus still heals. Grace through faith. He's given us the grace to believe, to have faith that we can be healed. Have I been healed every time I've prayed for myself? No. Have I been healed every time other people have prayed for me? No. Have I been healed when people have prayed for me? Yes. Have I been healed when I've prayed for myself? Yes. Have I been healed by Jesus and not by a pill or not by a therapy or not by this? Yes. Have I seen, have I laid my hands on the sick and seen them recover right then? Yes. And it wasn't me, but it was Jesus. He bore our sickness. Why does it happen for some and not for others? I don't know, but this is what I know. God is still sovereign. He's the one that's on the throne. But I know this, if I am close and I am in relationship and I am drawing near to God, then I will know what God is saying and I will know what God is doing and I will lean into that. And if, and if I can see that God is moving on this person and that God wants to heal this person, I can lean into that. It gets exhausting sometimes to hear the doubts from people who I know are believers. 
that just because something might not happen, they can't believe that God can actually do it. Where does faith come in with all of that? Scott, have you unequivocally 100% believed every single time you laid hands on somebody they would be healed? Probably not. But I have believed this, that God could heal them. Did my doubt get in the way? I don't know. Did their doubt? I don't know. But I know that when Jesus showed up on the scene, he would say, no, it's not because of the sins of his parents. It's not because of his sins. I know that Jesus argued all the time with the Pharisees and Sadducees over healing. I know that, well, that was Jesus when he was alive. Well, when he was dead and he was resurrecting, he sent the Holy Ghost. Guess who also dealt with the same thing in healing? The apostles and the disciples. Those that followed Jesus, they dealt with the same questions. They would, they would see someone raised from the dead and the Pharisees and the Sadducees would be arguing. The religious would argue with them about whether they were healed or not. They would see bones popping and cracking and they would argue over whether that was really God. And then they would even come to the point where they would be like, listen, we don't understand all this, but they've been with Jesus. We better not touch them, but we still don't believe in healing. And so what I know is this, that those that have gone before me and those that have followed Jesus, they believe for healing and they saw miracle signs and wonders, not every single time, but they saw miracle signs and wonders, not because they were charlatans, not because they were psychics, not because they were worldly people, not because they had given themselves to the God of the age, but because they served Jesus. They followed Jesus. They took up their cross and followed Jesus and Jesus healed the sick. And I'm just going to leave that for somebody else to deal with. It's exhausting trying to defend. I don't have to defend Jesus. He's my defender. I don't have to defend healing. He's the healer. I don't have to defend salvation. He's the one who saves. I don't have to defend inner healing. He's the one that heals. I don't have to defend freedom. He's my defender. I don't have to add anything to Jesus like the Hebrews are trying to do. He speaks for himself. He is the king. He is the savior. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Number five, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, immediately people say, yeah, but that's Jesus. Well, yeah, we know Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus now with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. But he also anoints us with the Holy Spirit. This is multiple times in the New Testament. In John 1, it says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending, this is Jesus speaking, and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even gives the promise to, to the disciples, the apostles and the disciples. Wait, tarry and wait in Jerusalem for the promised one, the Holy Spirit. He'll not just be with you, but in you. He will anoint you with power and authority, dunamis power. That's Jesus. Someone I met a few years back told the story of their uncle who came back from Vietnam in turmoil, tormented. And he lived in that torment for years. 
And finally, after many prayers, he got saved. And the family was so excited, but he had memories that tormented him. He had habits that held him captive. Night terrors. Addiction. He needed inner healing and freedom. He needed the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. And so he, met, he went to meet with his pastor, who it seems, from all accounts, believed salvation prayer, that's it. Basically, Jesus isn't the same today as he was or will be. So when the uncle got home from the meeting, his wife asked him, what did the pastor say? And he said this, I can't get this out of my head. Jesus can't help you. And he killed himself. And this friend of mine preached his uncle's funeral. And afterward, he said this, this is one of the reasons that I want people to know about the real Jesus. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus can help you, and he will help you. He can heal you, and he will heal you. He can deliver you, and he will deliver you. He can save, and he will save. Because if he is up and down like us, then he's not the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In order to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the author and the finisher of our faith, he has to be unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, Jesus saves. He heals minds, hearts, and bodies. He delivers by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead not just for the future, but for right now. So many people are praying a prayer for something in the future and not realizing that Jesus offers us something for right now. How can you do what God has called you to do as a witness for Christ without the resurrection power of the real Jesus functioning in you? See, that's not some space-age theory I'm putting out there. That's biblical. That is Bible 101. Some people say, where, where are the miracles and the signs and the wonders? Well, they are happening. They are. But they're happening amongst people who believe, who have faith, who are broken before God who believe for the impossible, who stand upon the word of God and walk in the resurrection power of Jesus. Yesterday, today, and forever. Unchanging. Unchanging. That's the real Jesus. That's the real Jesus. Not a version of Jesus. Not something that makes us feel a little bit more comfortable. It's not this late 60s hippie Jesus. Or just, hey, what's up? Sometimes he talks to me that way. Hey, what are you doing? And I don't know if that's just my relationship with God or not. 
But I do know sometimes, man, it is a booming voice. What are you doing? Sometimes it's a gentle whisper. Scott, why are you here? What are you doing? You're better than this. Sometimes it's that nudge. It's not clear, but it's a nudge. But then other times it's very, very clear. And then I decide whether I actually want to do what he says. Do I want to take up my cross and follow the real Jesus? Or do I want to go back to my old ways and add something to Jesus? Start living my life as if there is no Jesus at all. And that's where we all find ourselves today. Jesus asks the same question that he asked Peter in the midst of all manner of ungodliness, Caesarea Philippi. Who do you say that I am? Well, Lord, they say this and they, no, 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 I didn't ask you that. Who do you say that I am? And we know, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus goes into that amazing dissertation of, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So today, in the midst of a culture that is constantly in transition and changing, opinions are changing, and sadly, theology is changing. Biblical truth is being perverted and distorted. It's even being left out. See, not all biblically, you know, biblical theology is the kooky, wackadoodle stuff. I use that term. It's, I know it's not even a word, but that's what I use. It's like those examples that are so extreme, but I can tell you this. The writers of the New Testament, they're very clear that not everything that is not of God is that way out there fringe stuff. It's subtle. What was going on with the Hebrews was subtle. It was, hey, this Old Testament tradition, it's not bad. It's good. Man, we can do this. Then all of a sudden, now what you eat becomes more important than Jesus. Now all of a sudden, what you wear becomes more important than Jesus. Now all of a sudden, your rituals become idols. And now you can't even see the real Jesus. Well, I want to remind you today, Luke chapter 4, that's the real Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Without mercy, they won't make it. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted and those who are oppressed, set at liberty the captives. He has anointed me to declare and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus stood in the middle of those people and said, that's me. And you know what? Some of them said, that's him. And some of them said, that's not him. I reject that. My tradition tells me this, that's not him. Don't let what the world says, don't let the enemy get into your heart today and make you bleed all over again. You need to be healed. Some of you need to take up your cross and follow Jesus today. If you use the term saved, you can use that. But I'm just talking salvation, man. You need a savior. You need a relationship with the living God, and you can only do that through a savior. If that's you today, reach out. Tell me what to pray, Scott. 
come on, where's your heart? You know what you have need of. God, I'm desperate. I need a Savior. Just say that. I need a Savior. Jesus, I need you. I need that mercy or I won't make it. Give you everything. All my sin. My recklessness. Just all of it. Give it to you. Take it, please. I know it's not fair. I give you filthiness and you give me righteousness. That's why you're Jesus. That's why you're the Savior. And if you're hanging out right now and you're just like, man, I'm just messed up inside. I mean, I prayed a prayer, Scott, but it's just not real anymore. I'm hurting. I had a bruise and it went away, but I'm still bleeding. I started bleeding all over again. I thought it was over, but I started bleeding all over again. Let Jesus in today and let him heal that broken heart. He said, man, I'm just held captive by so many things. He's here to set you free. And he's also here to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, to fill you up. Man, I got the Holy Spirit when I prayed. But have you been living in the resurrection power? Because if you're not, you're not filled. I'm just going to say it. Resurrection power is not dead, it's alive. It's not ritual, it's relationship. Resurrection power is telling Jesus, telling people about Jesus everywhere. It's not coming on Sunday morning and sitting in a seat and being smoothed over and made to feel good. It's relationship, it's wrestling. It's wrestling with faith, it's wrestling with the word, it's wrestling with God. But at the end, it's complete submission. I'm going to tap out, Jesus. <laughs> I know I'm not going to win this one. I'm tapping out. I need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit. I need to die to flesh, and I need to live in the Spirit. So wherever you're at today, just commit to that. Go all in today. What are you waiting for? Go all in with Jesus. Jesus, we love you today, and we thank you. And you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus that laid out the ancient path for us, that narrow path that leads to life and life more abundantly, you are that Jesus. The Jesus that told us about this massive, broad, super highway that leads to destruction, you are that Jesus. Even in your resurrected form, Jesus, the disciples were like, can it be, can it be? And you showed them the nail prints, the resurrected Christ. And so Jesus, we come. You said, whosoever, you know, if you're thirsty, come. And so we come. Because you promised those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. And Lord, I pray for my friends that have gathered with me today. I pray that you would fill them. Fill them up today. 
whether it's tears, whether it's laughter, whether it's groans, whatever it is, we don't care what it looks like. We don't care about what the exterior looks like. We need an inner change. We need transformation. All things new, old things pass away. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you for being the one that we can depend on no matter what's changing around us. Thank you for being unchanging. Thank you for being consistent always. Thank you for being a rock. We just declare these things. We ask them. We prophesy them. We let it out of our mouth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let us know what God is doing in your life today. Can you do that? We just want to celebrate. We want to pray for you. Media Hub at thpshreveport.com. Just know this. I love you, and I love you enough to give you everything I had today. So may the Lord bless you.